Welcome to Victory Church Winchester, Virginia's weekly podcast. Our desire is that you will find Victory a place to call home. Please take a moment to subscribe and share. Here is this week's message from our Sunday morning worship experience. God is meeting with me right here in this room. And even though there's 20 some people to your left or 50 to your right, when you enter into worship, God is meeting with you individually, just how he's meeting with your neighbor. And it doesn't matter if you sing off key, it doesn't matter if you can't sing at all, it doesn't matter because I promise you, no one really cares what you look like. No one really cares how you're worshiping because the worship is for God. It's because even in the chaotic world that we're in, we can come here today and say, God, here I am. It doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what tomorrow will bring or next week or next year or even a couple hours. It doesn't matter what news you get. God is right here and he has each step of your life written out. His grace is sufficient for every single thing. So as we enter into worship, I want you guys, if you have to, close your eyes, pretend that no one is here. Meet with the Father because he's here to meet with you and he wants to touch your heart. We're in a new collection of teaching we just started off today. And we've titled it, Keep the Change. Keep the Change. It's going to be a collection of teaching where we talk about making managing and maintaining change. How many of you know that sometimes that you can make a change, but maybe a month later you haven't kept that change? So I want to talk to you over these next few weeks about not just what it means to make a change, but what it means to manage and maintain change. We're going to be talking about the preparation for change. We're going to be talking about the path for change, and we're going to be talking about the power to change over the next few weeks. I want to read to you uh, from the Gospel of St. John, chapter 5, beginning at verse 1. After this, there was a feast of the Jews. After this, meaning after what just happened, a nobleman's son was healed. There was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. The feast of the Jews would have been either Passover, Pentecost, or Tabernacles. These were mandatory feasts that God's people were required to attend. Jesus, being a good Jew, uh, went up to to this feast to Jerusalem, the holy city. And there was in Jerusalem by the Sheep Gate a pool, which is called in the Hebrew Bethesda having five porches. Jesus would enter into Jerusalem, into the old city. He would enter into uh, the gate of the walled city, and he went into that gate known as the Sheep Gate. That's where they would bring the sacrificial animals, the Old Testament sacrificial system. And he would enter into that Sheep Gate, and as he entered into the holy city, you would look over here off in the distance, not a long ways away, maybe a couple hundred yards, And there was a place of pools. And at these pools, the scripture says, lied a multitude of people. A multitude of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water. So here was something special that was going on, something unique that was going on. An angel of the Lord would at a certain time go into the pool, stir the water, and then whoever stepped in first 
after the stirring of the water was made well of whatever disease that he had. Now a certain man was there who had an infirmity for 38 years. And when Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been in that condition a long time, he said to him, do you want to be made well? The sick man answered him, sir, I have no man to put me in the pool when the water is stirred up. But while I am coming, another steps down before me. And Jesus said to him, rise, take up your bed and walk. And immediately the man was made well, took up his bed and walked. And that day was the Sabbath. I'm going to skip down to verse 14. There was a big uproar about this man who was miraculously healed, Jesus telling him, rise, take up your bed and walk. And that stirred up the religious people of that day who would say, this is the Sabbath. You cannot work on the Sabbath. I don't care if you got healed. You can't be healed on the Sabbath. It's not allowed. Afterward, <laughs> those were the religious leaders. Afterward, Jesus found this man in the temple and said to him, see, you have been made well. Sin no more, lest a worse thing come upon you. I want to talk to you today in these next few moments from this subject, the preparation for change. The preparation for change. Would you bow your heads, your hearts with me? Father, thank you, Lord, for this moment that we have, the opportunity that we have together today to gather around your word our hearts are open and receptive to what you would say to us today. Lord, I ask you to do what I cannot do, which is change lives. Father, we thank you, Lord, that you speak. And when you speak, Lord, our lives can be changed. So, Father, thank you, Lord, for this opportunity again today to gather around your word. We pray your blessing on the preaching of your word today and on the hearers. In Jesus' name, amen. So even though, even if we know that we need a change, the reality is we still do not like change. Uh-huh. We don't like change. Why? Because we like what we like, and we like what we like in the way in which we like it. You don't believe what I'm saying? Begin to make some changes even incremental changes, let's just say in your family, at your house. Let's say, you know, that I took the toys in the kids' playroom and I put them upstairs in the bedroom. My wife's not going to be happy about that. Let's say I change the color of the paint on the wall without asking my wife first. Change. What's, let's just say I go to the grocery store and instead of getting the regular soda that we usually get, I get diet for a change. You look and you see even incremental change is not always received too well. Let's talk about the church. You start changing things in the worship service. You start turning down lights. You start adding certain lights on the stage. Come on, you paint the wall black or you change the order of service in the church service. Whoa, 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 whoa. What are you doing? What, what, why do we make this change? 
Why can't we go back to singing my song? I like my song. These new songs, I don't want to sing these new songs. I like my song. We don't always embrace change. Let's just say at work, you know, they want to give you a new schedule. They promote a new boss. They want you to implement a software in the company. What in the world? We've never done it this way before. We don't often like change. But we have to start embracing the reality that change is inevitable. Change, everything is constantly changing, and we should embrace change, not just for the sake of change, but that God is calling us as followers of Jesus to change. He says, follow me. And when he says, follow me, his intentions aren't to keep you the same. It's to radically change you from the way that you are to the person that he's calling you to be. The call to follow Jesus is the call to change. And as we follow Jesus and as we become more like him, we have to continue to change. Hear this word today. If you stopped changing, you are in trouble. You see, there's a spiritual current that's naturally pulling you away from God. And so that's why you always have to be intentional to seek God, to pursue him, to pick up his word and read his word and pray and seek him and worship and come to church and be involved in a group. You can't just go through the motions. You have to consciously be pursuing God. The minute you stop pursuing God is the moment you will begin to drift. And if you are drifting, if you are not changing, then you are in trouble. There's a thing that creeps into our life, and it's called casual commitment. It's called complacency. It's called, well, I'm fine right here where I am. I'm doing better than most. We start comparing ourselves with others. Jesus has not called us to have a casual commitment, but he's called us to be uh, passionately committed to following him, to pursuing him. And so God says, change and never stop changing. Maybe it's the little things. You see, it's not the major things. Maybe you don't cuss or maybe you don't party or you don't drink or you would never be caught out in a certain place where people would know that you know that that you're not following Jesus. But what about the little things? What about the little things that we've become casual in? The little things like gossip, the little things like uh, showing up late. What about the little things like just kind of going through the motions and not serving? What about the little things like when there's an opportunity, we don't pray about it. We don't consider it. We don't jump in and get involved. You see, it's it's the calling of God to change us. I want to be more like Jesus today than I was yesterday. And in our passage today, we find and we see a miracle of change don't we? This man has been in this condition for 38 years. He has an infirmity. He has a disability. He has a sickness. And Jesus stepping onto the scene in Jerusalem at that feast is not just coming for the purpose of simply healing this man physically, but he also uses this 
miracle as a message for us today. You see, Jesus wants to transform and to change our life, not just on the outside, but on the inside that makes a difference on the outside. Jesus is calling us to change. And here is what I want to share with you today about preparation for change. This is the truth that we find in God's word from this passage and throughout the scriptures. Without preparing for change, you won't experience lasting change. In Luke chapter 14, verse 28, Jesus is talking about the cost of following him. And he says this, which of you, if you were going to build a building, would not sit down first, count the cost, to see if that you had the ability to finish it. And so Jesus in the scripture tells us that it's important for us to prepare for change. I want to talk to you this morning about experiencing lasting change by preparing for change. I'm going to give you six ways that you can prepare for change. The change that God wants to take place in your life. I want to point out to you six ways from this passage that we can experience lasting change by preparing for change. You guys ready for this? Are you ready for this? The first thing that we need to do to experience lasting change is to prepare for change by admitting. Number one, admitting that I need to change. Admitting that I need to change. Jesus finds this man in, in, in this place by this pool called Bethesda, which means a house of grace or house of mercy. And they are laying these multitude of people who are sick, blind, uh, people who are uh, disabled, handicapped, sitting beside this pool, and they're laying there. And he finds this man who has been there for a long time, 38 years to be exact. And Jesus, seeing him there, and knowing that he had been in that condition a long time, come on, I want to tell you this morning that Jesus sees you where you are, no matter what your struggles, no matter what your handicap, no matter what uh, challenges that you have, no matter how powerless you are, no matter how hurting you are, no matter how helpless you are, no matter how hopeless your situation is, Jesus sees you right where you are, and he knows your struggle, he knows your pain, he knows your heartache, he knows the things that challenges you. And Jesus, seeing this man, comes to him. By grace, Jesus finds him and makes his way to him. This man represents you and I. See, there's a spiritual message, not just a physical message in this miracle. And the spiritual message is this, that we All of us, all humanity is broken. We are lame. We are blind. We are laying in a helpless, hopeless situation apart from God. Spiritually, this is our sinful state before God. All of us have been born into sin. We've been broken. We go our own way. We do our own thing. We do what pleases us. And the first thing that we need to do to prepare for change is we need to be like this man in this story is that we need to admit that we need a change. Change means we must admit that something in our life has not measured up to what it could be or what it should be. We see this man needing and admitting that he needs help because he's positioned himself in a public place to receive help. You see, that's how you know when people will really want change is they're admitting that they need change by admitting it publicly. It's impossible to be helped when you are determined to hide. 
We often hide because we don't want other people um, to, we fear as being seen as weak. We want people to think that we have it all together, and so we want to hide. We want to hide our shortcomings. We want to hide our failures. We want to hide the things that we know are not the way that they should be in our life. We must admit that we need to change if we are going to experience lasting change. Proverbs chapter 28, verse 13, it says this. Those who conceal their sins will not prosper, but those who confess and forsake them will have mercy. So we fear being seen as weak. This is why we hide. We also hide because we fear retaliation. We feel like that if we own up to the things that we've done, that somebody's going to use that as leverage to take advantage of us. And so we don't admit that we need to change because we fear retaliation. Also, we fear loss. We won't admit that we need to change because we feel like if we, if we admit that we need to change, that we're going to lose that something or that someone or that job, that position, that opportunity. And so we hide. But if we hide, it's impossible to be helped. We have to admit that we need change. I'm just going to tell you from my heart, I need a change. I need a change. A couple months ago, I went to the doctor and they said, your cholesterol is off the charts. You're obese. You need to get healthy. I knew it, but I was really just trying to hide it. You know, wear an oversized shirt. Don't tuck your shirt in. You know, wear dark colors. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Don't act like I'm the only one up here that needs to get healthy, maybe lose some weight. But isn't that how we do? That's how we do things. We hide, and when we hide, we cannot receive help. So we have to admit that, yes, I need to change. Admitting I need to change prepares me for lasting change. Secondly, to experience lasting change, I want us to prepare for change by believing change is possible. Why is change possible? Because Jesus is able. Come on, I've got good news for you today. You cannot change in your own strength and in your own ability. You are helpless and hopeless. You are hurting. You are laying beside that pool just like this man is today. And you've been in that condition a long time. And you can't seem to get yourself unstuck out of that rut. You can't break away from that habit. But I've got good news for you today that with Jesus, all things are possible. And change is possible because Jesus is able. Come on, he can pick you up and turn you around. He can change your life. Look at his resume. He has Moses. He has everyone throughout the, the Old Testament. He has the followers of Peter and Paul and all of those that he's changed their life. And he's changed my life too. Is there any witnesses in this place today that Jesus is able to change you? Come on. Jesus can change you. Change is possible because Jesus is able. This man is weak, helpless, and hopeless to change on his own. Have you ever felt so hopeless and helpless? You've ever been struggling with something for so long that you felt like even Jesus couldn't or maybe he wouldn't change it? Jesus is able. And we have to start believing that all things are possible because Jesus is able. But here's what we do. We don't change because we rely on willpower instead of God's power. 
We rely on our own strength rather than the strength that is ready for us to receive from God. Here's the reality is that willpower wilts. Willpower is a limited resource. You don't believe me? Let's say hypothetically, um, you know, I wanted to lay off sweets or I had somebody that I knew that wanted to lay off sweets, a friend, you know what I'm saying? Um, And this friend was working and somebody brought donuts to the office. And you got to say, you know, those donuts, yeah, they look good, but the reality is that the devil is alive and well. But also, I'm making a promise that I'm not having any sweets. So that doesn't bother me, hypothetically. And so the next time, you know, I go by the break room, I see the donuts, but I'm feeling pretty strong. I'm like, yeah, you know, I made a commitment, I made a promise. The next time, the third time I go by the office, I turn my head a little, little bit. I want to see, you know, what's over there? What kind of donuts do they have? So I keep going. The next time I stop and they got the donut with the chocolate icing and the sprinkles. And that one looks really good. And I say to myself, you know what? If I was going to have a donut, that's the one that I would pick. But I'm not having a donut, so I'm going to keep it moving. Next time I come past the break room, I'm looking. That donut is still there. So I just decide I'm going to stop by. You know, I normally would eat two donuts, right? But, you know, I'm just going to cut that donut in half, and I'm just going to eat half the donut because it's a lot better. That's like self-control, right? Like, I'm, I'm just having half a donut. I normally would eat two donuts. And so you know which one I pick, by the way. I pick the one with the icing, hypothetically. one with the icing and the, you know, and the sprinkles. Thank you. Thank you, brother. And then, mysteriously, at like 30 minutes later, I find myself back in the break room. <laughs> And nobody has eaten that other half of donut. You cannot let that thing go to waste. So you got to eat that donut, you know, and, and I figure, you know, 30 minutes later, that probably has burned. I burned some calories since then, so, you know, it's, it's probably okay. You know, the point that I'm trying to make is to you today is that, you know, you run out of willpower because willpower is a limited resource. Willpower wilts. Instead, we need to depend on God's power to bring strength and help and hope to be able to change. Nothing changed until Jesus arrived on the scene. Jesus arrived in that place, and when Jesus showed up, things started changing. Things started happening. Miracles started happening. Lives were changed when Jesus showed up. Believing I can change prepares me for lasting change. Thirdly, to experience lasting change, we prepare by change. By three, acquiring a desire to change. If you're not taking notes, by the way, you need to take these and uh, look back on these later on. So acquiring a desire to change. When Jesus, I love this, in verse 6, when Jesus saw him lying there, He knew that he had already been in that condition for a long time. And he said to him, do you want to be made well? Talk about an icebreaker. Like, not like, hey, how you doing? I understand that it's rough for you being in in this place for such a long time. I understand your struggle. Man, it's really, really awful. 
Jesus asked him this question, how bad do you want it? You have to have a desire to change if you want to experience lasting change. He doesn't tell him how bad he feels for him. You would think the man would have responded with an enthusiastic, yes, I want to be healed. But instead, he began to make excuses. And here's what I want you to know. The longer that we avoid change, the longer that we avoid change, the more comfortable we become with our struggles. The longer we avoid it, the more comfortable we become with our struggles. To change anything, you have to first desire it more than you desire anything else. This is what I love about Jesus. He teaches us this in Mark chapter 11, verse 24, in a very famous passage of Scripture. He says, whatever things you desire when you pray, believe. Whatever things you desire when you pray, pray. Believe that you have received them and you shall have them. If you desire to change, there is possibility to change. There was a young man that I read about recently. He was walking down a dock, and he saw this older gentleman fishing. And he recognized the gentleman that was fishing as being a successful salesman. And this young man, uh, he had read about him, and he had followed him for a long time. And he wanted to meet this man. And, 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 and so he came up to this man and said, hey, you know, I've been following you a long time, and I got a question for you. What is the secret to success? The old man grabbed this young guy by the shirt, dunked him in the water, held his head underwater. He's struggling. He's kicking. He can't breathe. He's running out of breath. And finally, he gets out of that, you know, from having his head under the water. He jumps back up on the dock and he says, what are you crazy? I couldn't breathe. And the older gentleman says to him, he says, you're going to be successful in life when you want and desire to be successful as much as you want to breathe. You've got to desire change. So you've got to acquire a desire to change. So we've got to feed. We've got to feed. We've got to feed our desire. That's how you acquire a desire to change. You feed your desire. If you want to please God, if you want to live a life that honors God, then you've got to feed your spirit. The word of God, prayer, worship, church attendance, participation in serving, being connected in a group. You've got to acquire a desire to change and you'll be successful and you'll see lasting change when you desire change. To experience lasting change, you need to admit that you need to change. You need to believe that change is possible because Jesus is able. You need to acquire a desire for change. And, and fourthly, you need to cease ceasing all explanation, justification, rationalization, and victimization. Listen here. Jesus asked him, do you want to change? What do you want me to do? And then verse 7, it says, the sick man answered him and said, sir, I have no man to put me in the pool when the water is stirred up. But while I'm coming down, another steps down before me. Jesus asked him, how bad do you want to change? And then he begins to make excuses. I want to tell you today, stop making excuses. If you want to see lasting change in your life, prepare to change by stop making excuses. We call this a victim mentality. And before we dismiss this as applying to someone else, how many excuses are you making daily? 
We all make excuses. We live in a society of excuse-making people. I'm not trying to minimize your struggle, your challenge, your your illness, your past, the things that have been done to you that's been wrong. But Jesus did not enter into a place where he's starting to say, hey, look, I understand. I get it. As soon as he starts making excuses, Jesus starts giving him instructions. Jesus doesn't say, I know what it's like to not have a friend. I know what it's like to struggle. No, Jesus begins to give him instructions. He tells him to get up. If you want things to change, you can no longer excuse them. We live in a society of excuse-making people, don't we? You say, Pastor, I'm late. I, you know, I ran into traffic. You knew there was going to be traffic. You are the traffic. <laughs> you knew how to prepare for that. You say, Pastor, I, I, you know, I, I'm, I woke up late. You don't have an alarm clock? Really? We live in a society of excuse-making people, even good excuses. I'm so busy with my kids and their activities, and I can't diet. I can't exercise. I just got too many things like going on. Ouch. I'm, I'm offending some people in this place right now, but I just want to tell you today, you've got to stop making excuses if you want to see lasting change. Stop making excuses. Proverbs 26 verse 13. I love this scripture. It says, it says the sluggard or the lazy person says there is a lion in the street, so I can't go out now to work. I want to know what street he lives on. Come on. Why is he concerned about lions being in the street? He can't go to work because he's worried about running into lions. Basically, what that scripture is saying, the point is that is that a lazy person will make all kinds of excuses that are ridiculous is there's a lion in the street. For going to see change in our life for the better, we've got to get to the point where we no longer make excuses. You cannot change what you continue to excuse. But you can change what you refuse to excuse. You can change with God's help. Number five, to experience lasting change, prepare for change by taking immediate action. Taking immediate action. Jesus said to him, rise, take up your bed and walk. And immediately the man was made well, took up his bed and walked. And that day was the Sabbath. See, you can't just want something. You've got to get up, get out, and do something. John chapter 5, verse 8, Jesus tells the man, rise, take up your bed and walk. Do it now. Notice that Jesus demanded immediate action from this man. He's requiring us to do something. Notice that he doesn't tell him to do something that's outrageous or that's... He doesn't tell him to run a marathon. He doesn't tell him to hike a mountain. He tells him to rise up first. He will give you the steps and progression of what you need to do. And he'll say, rise, do something. Do something that you weren't able to do before. Step up and do something. It could be something as simple as forgiving someone, making that phone call, putting in that application, giving to someone, giving an offering to God, praising God when you don't feel like it. Don't worry if the progress is slow. Do something. You see, this is the problem. Oftentimes, most of us, we won't do anything until we can do everything. 
You don't get good or proficient at anything the first time you do it. If I got out on the volleyball court with these girls, they would destroy me. I'd have like spalding tattooed on my face. I'd be bloody and sweating, right? What I'm telling you is that you've got to take the first step. When you take the first step, the next step you can take. And then the step after that. You see, you've got to walk before you can jog. And before you can jog, you know, you got to walk, you got to jog. And then before you can run, and then you can fly, right? And then you can soar. You've got to take one step and put one foot in front of the other. Every st- everything starts with one simple step or act of obedience. Don't wait for the right circumstances. Create the right circumstances by the steps you take. By taking immediate action, it will prepare you for lasting change. And finally, as the team comes, and we're going to respond to this message today with a time of worship, to experience lasting change, I want you to prepare for change by determining, determining I'm never going back. Verse 14, Jesus found this man in the temple, and he said to him, See, you've been made well. Go and sin no more. Don't continue to sin, lest a worse thing come upon you. You see, there's something worse than sitting beside a pool, disabled, handicapped, hurting, helpless, and hopeless. There's something even worse than that. That thing that's worse than that is that sin that separates you from God. You see, you can have everything that this world has to offer. You can be a success. You can have material things. You can have a husband or wife. You can have kids. You can be at the peak of your career. You can have it all. But you can have it all and be broken and helpless and hopeless because your life is separated. You are separated from God. God has created you to be in relationship with him. And all those things are good and none of those things are bad. Jesus said this, what good is it to gain the whole world but yet lose your soul? There's a worse thing that could happen to you than getting sick, and that is to be separated from God. We have to go forward and never backward if we want to see change in our life. We have to say, I'm not going back to the old relationships. I'm not going back to the old way of thinking. I'm not going back to the old way of looking. I'm not going back to the old way of acting. We see a significant change in this man's life who was healed by Jesus. After he was healed, where do we find him? We find him in the house of God, in the temple. He's in church. He's learning a new way of thinking and of seeing himself. He's not hanging around the old crowd or by the same pool. He's in God's house and he's identifying with a new life. Jesus said, go and sin no more. That's the worst thing come upon you. It's impossible to keep your change and compromise with your past. If God has been good to you, if God has saved you, if God has healed you, if you, like this man, are physically 
handicapped. You are also like this man in that you are spiritually handicapped, separated from God, hurting, hopeless, unable to heal yourself, stuck in that position. But I've got good news for you today. Doesn't matter how long you've been hurting. Doesn't matter how hopeless the situation has been. It doesn't matter how long that you've been there. The good news is today is that Jesus is showing up even right now. He sees you where you are. He comes, he knows exactly what you're going through. He's speaking to your life individually, not just collectively as a church, to all of us. He's speaking to you individually. You have to make, I want you to make this personal. Because Jesus is saying, I don't want you to stay the same. I want you to change. I want to do in your work, a work in your life that is so deep and is so powerful and is so lasting that people won't even recognize what you used to be. Change is possible because Jesus is able and Jesus is showing up in your situation even right now. I told you that this miracle had a message and that message is that all of us, all of us are sick, all of us are blind, all of us are paralyzed, all of us are broken, all of us are lame. But the other message here is that God is a God of grace. He's a God of forgiveness. He's a God of love. You see, it was grace that brought Jesus to the pool of Bethesda, which means house of grace. It was grace that brought him to mingle with a crowd of helpless and hurting people. It was grace that spoke to this man. It was the grace of God that healed this man. And it was the grace of God that pursued him later in the temple. It's proof of his awesome grace and his mercy. This morning with every head bowed and eyes closed. In person and online today, maybe you've been experiencing the results of your decisions. You see, we can end up broken. We can end up helpless and hopeless and stuck in our situation because of life and the things of life and the troubles that we've experienced. But I wonder if oftentimes that it could be that we've created unable to change your situation. You're unable to change your life on your own. But I've got good news for you today. That if you admit that you need a change, if you'll believe that Jesus is able to change you, if you'll acquire a desire to change, if you'll stop making excuses and start taking immediate action, 
then if you'll determine, determine that I'm never going back to the way I used to be. Jesus is speaking to you today. He's reaching out to you and your brokenness. He's saying, I want to give you a new beginning. I want to make all things new in your life. This is what I love about Jesus. Is that when we couldn't make our way to him, he made his way to us. He found us in our struggle, in our helplessness, in our hopelessness, in our hurting situation. And he's here this morning. He's here to help you up. He's saying to you, get up, rise up, take up the thing that has been holding you down. from where you are today. In Jesus' name, God, I thank you. I thank you for your, your love, your mercy, your, your grace, Lord, that you would come and find us where we are. And Lord, you love us the way that we are, right where we are, but you love us too much to leave us where we are. And you're calling us, you're inviting us, you're compelling us, you're speaking to us, Lord. There are things in my life, there are situations that are out of control. There's brokenness, there's hurt, there's pain, there's hopelessness, there's things that I cannot get out of. I'm stuck, I'm broken, I'm, I'm crying, I can't do it on my own. Jesus, I admit that I need you, I need your help, I believe. I believe that you're able to pick me up and turn me around. I believe that you're able to set my life on a course of, 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 the, of the purpose and the life that you intended, you've called me to live in. God, I can't do it in my own strength, in my own willpower, in my own ability. I'm calling upon you today. Come, help me, save me, rescue me, do what I cannot do. And so today, no matter you've been walking with the Lord for 25 years, maybe you've been complacent, maybe you've been casual in your commitment to Christ, and today the Lord is speaking to you about that casualness, and you've been drifting, and maybe you don't have, have the passion that you once had. Maybe you're not picking up the scriptures like you once did. Maybe you're not passionate about witnessing to other people. You've gotten caught up in the drift and, and things have been pulling you away from God but today is the day for you to come to yourself and to recognize God I'm not where I need to be I need to turn back to you fill me Lord with passion fill me Lord with 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 your love and your mercy turn my life back to you once again change me again oh God maybe that's you today or maybe for the first time you you you're here and you're hearing this message and you're saying, I need a change. I need to change. Today's my day for change. I know that God is speaking to me. Today is your day for change. Today is the day of salvation. It's the day of new beginnings. Don't put it off tomorrow what you can do today. Take immediate action today and say yes to Jesus. Tomorrow is not promised today. Today is the day that you get up from where you are and you begin to follow Jesus. So here's what I want to do. Everybody stand up on your feet right now. And I want every person in this place to put your right hand over your heart. And we're going to pray a simple prayer. It's not a prayer. The prayer doesn't change you. It's your commitment to Jesus Christ to forgive you of your sins. To ask him to change you. To ask him to forgive you. This is what we're going to do. We're going to put our right hand over our heart. We're going to raise our left hand just like this. And I want every head bowed and eye closed. And I want you to repeat this prayer after me. Jesus. I am a sinner, helpless, hopeless, weak, broken, and burdened. But I thank you 
that you can save me, that you can get me up from where I am, forgiving my sins, and putting me on the path to following you. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. Our vision is that you would experience Victory Church as a place to call home. We do this by encountering God through worship, embracing community through relationship, and expanding the kingdom of God through service. Find out more about Victory at victorywinchester.com.